associated a podcast making venture capital more accessible. My name is Francesca and I'm joined today by Lois. Hi Lois, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. What have you been doing today? What have I been doing today? A bit of editing, actually, which has been good. And actually the first time that's ever happened whereby one of our guests has been sent an edit and said, actually, I know a little bit about editing. There's a few things that I want to change. Let me just do it. Oh my goodness. A pleasant experience. <laughs> yes, I was like, well, that will save me a hell of time. Um, yes, please. Like, by all means, off, off you go. So that was a welcome change and, and came as a bit of a surprise. Obviously, a man of many talents. Super cool. Very nice. <laughs> yes, but talking of someone with many talents, I'm very excited about our guest today. So it is Hannah Ridgewell from Channel 4 Ventures, and she is an investment manager. Hello, Hannah. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's amazing to have you. So there's so much to sort of unpack with Channel 4 Ventures. When we first met, I was very interested in what you had to say because it's quite an unusual venture capital model. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your your journey from maybe uni into uh, this current role that you have now. Yeah, sure. So I started my career post-university in strategy consulting. I was at Strategy and PwC's strategy consulting team. So I joined strategy and because I really like the look of the variety of strategy consulting. There's just so many different project types and client types that you get to work on and work with as a consultant. So in my five years there, I basically spent the first two or three as a generalist and then working with clients across sectors such as consumer, healthcare, financial services, technology, media, education, and the clients ranged all the way from you know, private equity houses through to FTSE 100 companies, through to charities, universities. So it was really diverse. And I absolutely loved it. But around the sort of four-year mark, I started to feel like I wanted to do something a little bit different. It's quite common in consulting to feel like you don't have huge amounts of ownership over your work in the sense of you're there to provide a recommendation, but you're not implementing it and if it is being implemented like you're not there to kind of see it through and work on it day to day and I sort of decided at that point that I'd start to look for sort of other roles that would maybe give me a little bit more ownership and let me get a bit more of that sort of end-to-end experience and so I I think at that point actually I wasn't solely focused on VC I was actually just really focused on finding a job that was really interesting and ideally in one of the sectors I've been doing the most work in. So I've been working most in sort of tech, uh, media and education for the last year or two of PwC. So I was applying to a sort of range of like startup roles, like startup operation roles. I was applying to uh, corporates for like corporate strategy, corporate development, which is essentially M&A for corporates. And the Channel 4 Ventures role came up and I just thought it sounded so cool. It's, in essence, uh, doing venture capital, like a really interesting part of the ecosystem, obviously working with startups, getting to meet really uh, interesting 
interesting entrepreneurs. But at the same time, working with Channel 4, like a really interesting company, sort of seeing how one of the biggest media companies in the UK operate. So when I was offered the job, I was just absolutely delighted and sort of jumped at the chance to join. Really cool. Love that story. I um, I particularly like the transparency about like, you know, not having a set destination in mind on the job hunt and being like open to lots of different things just has to be super interesting. Maybe ideally leveraging some of the experience that you've got. I think that's quite refreshing and actually really, you know, relatable. Often when we're looking for jobs, it's just something that sparks that interest. Um, and I actually, I wanted to pick up on the generalist point that you made around consulting and often VC is another career path where a lot of people are generalists and you don't really specialize and perhaps it leads to feelings of imposter syndrome or feelings of you know wanting to specialize and go and do something and get that's I think why a lot of our colleagues end up going into startup roles to get experience in something we had Jessica Leon um, earlier in the season she talked a bit about her experience with that I was just wondering from your perspective like do you feel at all like you would like to specialize more or do you think that the focus on media is something that like scratches that itch that's a really good question what I can say is I'm really enjoying the role as it is and I think in my particular role from what I understand from in general in VC as well the day job is just so varied there's no typical day no typical week and you can be doing completely different stuff and for me that variety was obviously something I loved in consulting and it's something I really enjoy in uh, VC. I think actually, if anything, the sort of day-to-day tasks that I'm doing are much more varied now in VC than they were in consulting. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. Yeah, I mean, in consulting, a lot of it is it's analysis, it's um, management meetings, right, writing PowerPoint presentations, for example. In VC, it's, it's all of that, but it's also you know, deal execution at the end. It's the the networking. There's much heavier focus on that, for example. So, And as an investment manager at um, Corporate Venture Fund then, what's the breadth of your responsibility? Because I think often it can be a little bit different to funds where people are associates at straight venture funds where maybe they're focused more on pipeline and deal flow and then it sort of hands over to others. It sounds as though you're involved in the kind of end-to-end process. Yeah, that's right. It's worth prefacing this by saying that Channel 4 Ventures is a really small team. So we're currently four people and actually recruiting for our our fifth person. So in such a small team, we all have to muck in, in essence, which does, again, it adds, adds to the variety. So sort of my role is really around sort of sourcing deals, leading on deals in terms of taking them from first meeting through to... DD meetings, approval to proceed from Channel 4's perspective, and then the sort of legal negotiation and long-form uh, document agreement. It's really all of that. You know, in addition to the deals, it's, uh, you know, things around practice development, like how can we make our team better? Like what research tools do we need? Creating a website, for example, which was something I was involved in earlier this year. It's really quite broad to the, what the, the job spec is. Mm. And and taking a step back a bit, why did Channel 4 decide to start a venture capital arm? Because, you know, in my head, I'm like Salesforce. Yeah. Okay. Google. Yeah. Okay. These are like big tech giants, you know, forefront of innovation. So I was curious to know, like, what was Channel 4's thesis of, of starting a VC arm? 
so I wasn't in Channel 4 at this time, <laughs> just to caveat what I say. But my understanding is that Channel 4, we're looking at how they can strategically use their media assets. And on the continent, so for example, in Sweden and in Germany and Spain, there are a number of media companies that have set up media for equity investment teams. So, for example, ProSieben, which is a big German uh, media company, has set up um, their sort of own venture investing arms. There's sort of numerous examples of this happening throughout Europe. And Channel 4 were keen, I think, to see see if they could do it themselves. So, Channel 4 Ventures was set up in 2015. Uh, We've been investing for about four years or so. So investments sort of started happening after the team was set up in 2016. And we've sort of been growing, yeah, ever since then. Cool. And could you please explain what media for equity means? Yeah, of course. So a normal VC investment essentially has a transfer of cash from the VC to the company. And in exchange, the company gives its equity over you know, a, a bunch of its shares to the VC. In the media for equity deal, instead of giving cash to the company, Channel 4 Ventures is giving Channel 4's advertising space. And in return, we're taking equity in the company. Cool. Like That's super interesting. And when I first had a chat with you, I'd never heard of this kind of investing before because when you view VC, you type in venture capital, like that, that isn't an option that tends to come up. So I was very excited to learn that this could even be possible. So like, what are the kind of companies that you go after for, you know, um, potential investment opportunities? Like, do they meet a certain criteria in order to get investment from you guys? So at Channel 4 Ventures, we invest in companies that want to use TV marketing to drive their growth ambitions in the UK. So in essence, that means we're looking for companies that are consumer facing, have a consumer proposition, maybe even are like targeting freelancers or small and medium businesses where TV advertising makes sense as a marketing channel. And in addition to that, we're obviously looking for companies that can drive a financial return for Channel 4. So we're looking at similar things to most VCs in terms of you know, market, um, competitive differentiation, historical traction. And in addition to both of those things, we're looking for companies that can align well to the Channel 4 brand as well. It's, it's not a deal breaker for us, but we do really like companies where the ethos or the purpose is lines to Channel 4 in essence. So things about being different, being a bit of an underdog, promoting unheard voices, or just being a bit kooky in their branding are things that we love. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, so uh, I work for Nationwide Corporate Venture Fund and we operate a similar policy where we're looking for companies that are aligned with our mutual ethos, like community, mutuality, um, which is funny because Nationwide partnered with Channel 4 on a campaign around, I think, mutual respect for facing, you know, customer-facing staff, um, which is quite neat, isn't it? What a fun little mm. connection. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Hannah, about um, how you place value on the media coverage that you can offer. So in terms of that transaction, whereas you were saying, like, you know, in regular VC, you would have the transaction of capital for equity. 
in this it's slightly different and how do you go about valuing the media coverage that you can offer yeah this is a question we get asked all the time by founders as it's really important for them to understand exactly what they're getting when they're giving away their equity so in essence if we sign a million pound deal we receive a million pounds worth of equity from the company and in exchange we're giving them a one million pound media budget to spend with channel four so you can basically that's a budget to be spent over it's up 12 24 month period in terms that we often also get asked like what does a million pounds buy you and it again it completely depends on the uh, campaign you want to run like when you want to run it so for example if you want slots amongst our premium shows like Bake Off, Gogglebox, SAS Who Dares Wins, whatever floats your boat, you can access those shows. Equally, you'll be getting access to slots like through the daytime, in the morning. But in general, we say it gets you something like 60 to 80 million uh, impacts of ABC One Adults. So for people who aren't aware, there's sort of uh, social demographic categorizations of the UK population and ABC one adults are essentially adults in the sort of top half of the wealth distribution. So you get yeah tens of millions of impacts of those adults. Um, in addition, you'll be getting obviously other adults who are watching the TV show but they're just not budgeted in. And in terms of reach and frequency, which is often how TV is measured, you'll be getting something like you know 16 to 18 million adults or ABC One adults, seeing the advert at least once. And all of those, something like 7 million of them are seeing the advert four times or more. So it's it's really considerable reach. I mean, a million pounds and you're getting, you know, at least like 65% of ABC One adults seeing your advert at least once. It's, it, it's considerable awareness that you'll be getting for a million pounds. I think that's a really surprising statistic actually I don't know if it's because I'm just you know of a certain demographic that is probably watching Netflix a lot and like does not remember the last time I saw an advert live on TV I wouldn't necessarily have said that and I just like how surprised are founders when you tell them that it varies is the answer to that question we have some people who are really surprised by those statistics in terms of just the sort of reach that you can get with TV. So, it's, I mean, it's worth pointing out Channel 4 alone reaches like 75, 76% of the adult population each month, right? So, I mean, it's still mm. considerable amounts of people are watching it, tuning in to watch TV. And another really interesting fact that lots of people don't know is that on average, the average adult in the UK is still watching about three hours of live TV. That's concluding live playback and broadcaster VODs, so things like iPlayer. That's three hours alone. So Netflix, any other video like YouTube is all on top of that. And even for young people, so people aged 16 to 34, the amount of sort of typical TV that they're watching is still one hour, 50 minutes. So people are watching TV a lot and frequently throughout each month as well. Some people who have sort of been around the industry for a long time are just not surprised. They sort of are aware of how strong TV is and how much people are still watching in general. But certainly there, there does tend to be maybe more of a bias, let's say, towards people who maybe live in the southeast, who live really busy lives, who are sort of tech savvy and um, digital native to use Netflix and 
SVOD services heavily themselves and assume that counts for the rest of the population, which mm. isn't the case at all. Yeah, a good reminder. And what stage companies do you invest in? Yeah, we tend to invest at the Series A, Series B stage. We're, we're normally looking to invest between one and five million pounds into any individual company. And that's normally part of a sort of larger round of, you know, you know, three plus million um, that we're contributing to. It's really the point when consumer companies need to start diversifying their marketing mix away from being 100% digital. Mm. It's not uncommon for us to sort of get approached by companies who basically start to see their cost of acquisition rise as they put more and more into digital and sort of exhaust the audiences there. And TV, in essence, provides a way of actually creating lots of awareness at the top of that marketing funnel, which will then ultimately drive consumers conversions and revenue it can improve things like cac and then you know improve things like lifetime value as well it's not uncommon to see tv customers be better quality in terms of the cohorts that um mm. cohort behavior and they, they can stick around for a lot longer for example that's interesting i wondered because i was thinking like how mature does a company have to be for your team to be comfortable with them taking out TV adverts, for example. Um, and then I was thinking, like, do you have a follow-on offering? Like, what happens when companies have used up the, let's say, go back to the example, if they've used up a million pounds worth of credit um, and you still really like them and you're on the cap table, what happens next? Yeah, so I think the first part of your question was, how do you get comfortable that they're ready to go on TV? Mm. I think a lot of that is around really testing the product itself, it, you know, is this understanding product market fit and is this actually going to be acceptable to advertise this product at this point in time? Not only from a sense of is this product ready to go on TV or does it need a bit more refinement, but also from a perspective of is, is this mass market enough to go on TV? If it's too niche, it's just not going to be effective as a marketing channel. And in answer to your second question, we love to follow on into successful companies and I think we did some analysis actually and the sort of rates of follow on into companies who've sort of used their whole budget up is really high, uh, which is really good. And we think sort of really shows how useful media for equity can be. I actually had a question about, you mentioned, or rather I think Lois mentioned cap table. Um, how easy is it to convince maybe other VCs, especially the ones that have gone in at maybe seed, don't know channel ventures so well to, you know, allow you on there because like they might view their capital perhaps more valuable than um, media space. So what are, I'm curious to know, like, what are those conversations like where obviously they've built up a relationship maybe earlier stage and then you guys come in saying, you know, hey, we've got a different offering to put on the table. And due to some of them perhaps being too digitally native and not knowing all the fantastic statistics that you've just given us, like how did those conversations happen? Because I find what sometimes is quite often overlooked is that VCs can be incredibly powerful in ensuring follow-on investments from funds that are like maybe at the next stage invest at Series A, Series B. But they can also be quite inhibitive sometimes in terms of influencing the, the founder on decisions that might not necessarily be best for them, but perhaps best for the fund. Well, I hope that other funds see us as a useful addition to the ecosystem. 
I think fundamentally we're providing something that's really quite well it's similar but quite different to a lot of VCs because we're not providing cash we're providing media space and premium inventory with channel four and you know basically a bit of assurance that if you sort of do a media campaign with us you've got people who sort of know what they're doing sort of hand-holding you through that process so I don't think it's like necessarily straight competitive and indeed like we do often get referrals from other VCs sort of asking us to sort of be in the round obviously or look at companies that are in their portfolio I haven't noticed any specific eyebrow raising by seed funds of Channel 4 Ventures um, any more than there would be of sort of growth stage funds or series A funds for example I think in general we're seen as like yeah as I said an unusual addition to the ecosystem no I think I think that makes sense I think once you've kind of proven yourself which you guys have having spent five years investing now um you've got you know really clear evidence of you know the impact that you guys can make and, and the contribution that as you said if you give a startup a billion pounds like there is no guarantee that that million will like achieve anything. Whereas at least, as you said, with a million at channel four, there's a very guided process and support system around there and guaranteed stats of like what's going to happen from that campaign and, and, you know, evidence that following those views, there's going to be an increase in sales and an increase of brand awareness, which is, you know, most of the time the most important thing um, when it comes to growing a consumer-focused business. And actually, I I wanted to ask about what your investment committee looks like. So we've had the fortune of talking to quite a few people who work at CVCs, um, but there seems to be a different answer for each CVC. So for Channel Call Ventures, we have a two-stage approval process. So the first stage is our steering committee, which is made up of a few Channel 4 executives plus some other people with relevant skill sets in the room. So, for example, there's representation there of finance, there's legal, there's sort of commercial, which is essentially our sort of sales team, uh, and operations as well. So, they're the committee that's make, doing the first pass on our investments. Our second stage is our executive committee approval, which has all of the executives in Channel 4 in the room. So that includes our CEO, the head of commissioning, for example, in addition to the sort of relevant people from uh, operations, commercial and uh, legal and finance as well. So it's an interesting mix of people, which is an interesting job for us as investment professionals because it means that we are constantly challenging ourselves to think about how we can write our papers in a way that reads really well for people whose day job is making tv programs and monetizing the advertising space that sits within them as opposed to the world of venture capital and startups and how long does that process take then if you have sort of um different groups to go to let's say like end to end from when you start writing an investment paper to when you've got all the approvals that you need yeah, I mean, I think in general, if we go from the sort of first call through to first approval, that's probably what takes the most amount of time because that's where the sort of DD tends to happen. Mm. That can be anywhere from, I mean, maybe six weeks if it's a really smooth process and we're sort of really 
confident on the on the company and there are no hiccups through to maybe like three months if it's a complicated story or a company with more things that we need just need to consider and after we've got that first approval through to the second approval can take i mean it's normally maybe like a month or so the second approval doesn't tend to be to be holding up the deal process at that point because by that point we're sort of into the discussing legal documents for example already great now we've got a good idea and um i think that's super interesting actually and and probably a a great opportunity for someone that's sitting in channel four ventures because you get access to such senior people within the organization and start building relations i think it's fantastic that the ceo of channel four has sort of the sign off or at least contributes towards looking at these up and coming innovations and it's uh, a great sign that uh, you know a big media giant that doesn't like have to look into these areas have really put like a considerable amount of time um, and energy into you know building channel four ventures and a component to that is you mentioned earlier that you are hiring the fifth person so another very lucky person coming in and getting access to these incredible people and incredible investment opportunities so yeah we'd love to hear a little bit more about that role yeah gladly so we are hiring an investment associate and it will be a fifth member of the team so we're growing in scope we are looking for somebody who can sort of really partake in the end-to-end process that we outlined earlier so we want somebody who's going to be really good at deal sourcing and great at building relationships but is also keen to get involved with the investment paper writing and the sort of deal execution as well so it's a really interesting role because I think you do get the chance to get involved in sort of every sort of little thing that will be going on in Channel 4 Ventures. In terms of the type of person we're looking to come and join us, we are really open to candidates from a range of backgrounds. So I obviously was a strategy consultant beforehand, but that does not mean that that is a prerequisite. We would love to speak to anyone who's spent time in any fast-paced environment. So that can be the more traditional routes like investment banking or consulting. But equally, anybody who's done sort of growth marketing, works in startup, we'd love to speak to. Uh, in addition, we're really looking for people who sort of love to take ownership for project areas and can sort of really pick up work streams and run with them because in such a small team, that's really critical. And most importantly, you have to love consumer and consumer digital companies because that is our bread and butter. We spend all day thinking about consumer companies, sampling consumer companies, doing trials with them. I think my friends think I have a slight subscription obsession because I have like five or six different subscriptions um, versus like there maybe like one Spotify subscription for example but that is just sort of part of the job so if that sounds like you please do apply the job ad is up on LinkedIn and it should be open until end of November. Cool I mean who wouldn't want to have opportunities to have samples like I am an absolute sucker for samples you know in supermarkets where they have like a little counter I'm I'm one of those really annoying people that go like twice or maybe three times and then you have that person that's like cutting up everything and they're like I know you've been there more than once so I I can definitely relate (laughs) yeah no for sure consumer stuff (laughs) (laughs) for sure I should probably say we don't actually get that much stuff for free what like 
Oh, yeah, we don't get that, that much. <laughs> yeah, I know. We don't get that much stuff for free. And obviously, due to uh, gifting guidelines, we have to declare it if it's worth over a certain amount. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. And actually, um, I'd love to know about a portfolio company that you're particularly excited about. Um, just to put a, like, a little bit of context of like the sort of stuff that perhaps everyone knows or a lot of people know about, but don't know that it was invested by Channel 4 Ventures. So in the Channel 4 Ventures portfolio so far, we've completed about 20 or so primary investments into a range of consumer companies. So that includes everything from Pinterest, obviously social media company, through to e-commerce companies like Eve Sleep and Sport Pursuit. We invested in FinTech with our Crowdcube investment, and we have, you know, health, fitness investments, you know, Hustle, which is gym subscriptions, um, Drover, car subscriptions. So it's a real broad range of companies. Of the deals that we've announced this year, we've got loads more in the pipeline, but just haven't been announced yet. So the big deal we've announced this year was What Three Words, which is a geomapping tool that people love. It's amazing, really, how emotional people feel about a a mapping software in essence but that's definitely one i think we're sort of really excited for they just seem to be um so increasingly growing their presence and you know being integrated with more and more companies and sort of usage is picking up as well amongst consumers certainly their brand and reputation is really stellar um lots and lots of people have heard of them and just sort of love the the concept so that's definitely one to watch i think Mm. Definitely. I'm an investor, actually, in what three words. Oh, did you do the, the crowd key round? I did. I did. Uh, Lewis, shall we go into question time? I would love to go into question time. I think we've learned a lot about Hannah. She likes free samples and consumer products. Um, <laughs> we can definitely find out a little bit more. Um, cool. Are you ready, Hannah? We're going to give you three quick fire questions um, just to get to know you a little bit better and um you can answer as professionally as you like great let's go ahead okay let's do it first question is i love this question because i'm a big reader and literature buff but the question is do you have a favorite book or one that you often end up recommending to people it's a hard question this but i'll say that what i recommend to everyone is Educated by Tara Westover, which single-handedly is a book that everyone I know who's read it has absolutely loved it. And you normally, if you recommend books, some people like them, some people don't. But this one, hands down, people love. So I thoroughly recommend it as a, as a read to all of the audience. Francesca, you're nodding vigorously. Yeah, no, what I- is it about? Have you read it? Yes. And Hannah, please correct me if I don't do it justice, but it's essentially about a girl, uh, it's an autobiography, who grows up in a family in the States. Um, And are they Quaker, Hannah? So they are a Mormon family who, in essence, try to like not depend on anything that the government provides, including um schools and hospitals for example yeah and and just to build on that it's kind of her getting educated hence the title of a world that was outside of her bubble 
and she's very very academic so she just puts it so eloquently um and she was actually on one of my favorite podcasts called how to fail um so if you kind of want a taster of who that person is behind the book i definitely recommend listening in on her um what's the author's name tara westover yeah tara westover such a good book yeah sorry that was a very good book long quick fire question (laughs) (laughs) but it's obviously a good answer (laughs) yeah i love that you've got um you've seconded that answer francesca i'm actually going to check out that podcast (laughs) um right hannah let's try and get quicker (laughs) so the next question is um hypothetically if it were a binary option would you choose to live the life of a digital nomad or have a fixed um office job forevermore I don't like either of the ideas of those. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know that sort of just flies in the face of the question. The digital nomad options does on paper sound amazing. It sounds great to be traveling the world, meeting new people, working from exotic locations. But at the same time, the COVID pandemic has taught us anything. It is that having a good office setup is critical to like your physical health. I mean, I think I survived without a proper office chair for about, two months before caving in and so glad that I have got one especially as as we work from home for the foreseeable future I think the other the other end of the spectrum being in an office forever never leaving there to go travel or do anything different just sounds a little boring so I sort of want a happy medium sorry that wasn't a particularly quick answer to that one either (laughs) that's all right don't worry we're getting to know you it's all good um cool all right the last one was um a family favorite really we just love this question so we ask it a lot um and it's about starting your own vc fund so if you were to ever do that i guess question one would you ever start your own vc fund and if there's even the slightest chance that you might what might you call it oh that's a good question i mean i don't think you can never say never right i don't i think it'd be it'd be silly to rule it out at this stage in terms of the name, though, I'm sort of desperately casting my eyes around my home office looking for something that I could name my hypothetical fund after and not really coming up again with anything. So um, a friend of mine who started a business and uh, he had a similar problem. And what he did, he just named it after the road he lives on. Mm, Shrubland, that would be mine. Shrubland Ventures. I love it. I don't hate that. It's a little bit Sequoia-esque. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I totally love it, but it will do for now. Although it's better than the, the roads that, that my road adjoins to. is called Ho Street, so it's better than living <laughs> there. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for being a good sport about it. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. One last question. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch? If you want to get in touch with me or indeed with Channel Ventures, then feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Alternatively, if you head to our website, we have an email address there. So you can ping an email over to us. Wonderful. We will include links to both of those things in the podcast description. So that just leaves us to say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into Associated. As always, remember that you can get updates on the latest guests and episode that we've got over on Twitter. We are at associated underscore pod. If you do head over there, have a look in the bio. We've also got a link to our Notion page there where we are storing the repository of 
all the fantastic resources that our guests mention on every episode of Associated. And you can email us with any feedback or recommendations on associatedpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe and leave us a write-in wherever you're listening to this. Uh, It really does help us. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.